0: So when we're talking slave uprisings, um, this is history's largest one. Biggest, fanciest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit about escapes and how people got out uh, or tried to get out of slavery. I don't know why this is but it's a recent thing at Box Elder High School where I've had students come in and and actually say things like, oh, well, a lot of the slaves were really happy. (laughs) (laughs) When, that's a good question. (laughs) It is true that people are amazingly resilient. We, we tend, in our society right now, uh, to think that everything should be a disaster. Oh no, sweetie, oh, it's, the, it's the end of the world, uh, and it's just not. I mean, most, most people in history had, by our standards, really, really terrible lives, and they still found moments of happiness. So, were slaves happy? Yeah. Almost anybody in history was happy sometimes. Was it happy? Did most of them enjoy being slaves? No. It turns out that most people don't like being enslaved. I I know. You're like, what? This is the the mind-blowing. This should not be a mind-blowing shocker. And I'm glad, (laughs) looking out over you guys, that it doesn't seem to be a mind-blowing shocker to you. So. A lot of them tried to either overthrow their masters or escape. Of course, we in 2023, we have a better understanding of how slaves really did not have a good chance of overthrowing their masters. As a matter of fact, there's only been one successful slave revolt in all of history. Do you know what it was? (laughs) No, actually that one failed. That's a real one and it failed. No, people think Israel, but it wasn't an uprising they just left. <laughs> there was one in Rome it was not successful. It was successful for a while, almost three years. Spartacus, that's my favorite. I love teaching Spartacus. I'm glad you brought that one up. It was in Haiti. Haiti, they overthrew their masters. Now, now a lot of you are like, I remember learning about this. Mr. Dooley made me learn. No. Okay. Yeah, so that's it. That's it. So yeah, none of these were really successful in terms of overthrowing slavery. We all know how slavery was overthrown in the United States. We're gonna talk about it anyway because it's just really interesting to talk about. Um, But this isn't it. This is way too early. But it's still pretty interesting and that's why I chose this one. So Nat Turner. This is also, the reason I chose this one is this is the one we know the most about because of something that happens later that we're gonna talk about. So who was he? The, the short answer is he was a slave preacher. And, and that means two things, both he was a slave, he was an enslaved person, and he was a preacher to slaves. So he went out, he preached a mixture of kind of Christianity and a kind of traditional African religion. Putting these out, it's called syncretism you know that word it's also called that if you don't know that word I guess um, So this is what he preached he was a kind then picture him as a cross between a traditional kind of southern preacher and some kind of a medicine man and you kind of have the idea of what he was so in 1825 he said he had a vision of white spirits and black spirits fighting each other. And so this is when he gets the idea that maybe there should be some kind of battle and that maybe he has a role to lead. Then later in 1828, I put the date because I don't have these dates memorized. 1828, he uh, he hears a voice that tells him uh, to take on and fight the serpent. He takes this to mean you're supposed to lead a slave uprising. So he starts waiting, starts gathering followers, and in February of 1831, there is a total eclipse of the sun, and he takes this as a sign that it's time to start the uprising. So he gets some of his people together, and finally, there is some kind of weather phenomenon. We don't know what it was. Just some kind of weird weather, so I just got a random Google picture of weird weather. Yeah, this happens to be in South Carolina. Uh, Nat Turner was in Southampton. So same region. region. So it was probably something like this. uh, And he was like, oh my goodness, it's time to go. Let's let's fight. So he gets uh, seven of his followers together. And before sunrise on August 22, 1831, he kills his owner and the family. The thing is, his owner at the time was an infant because his old owner had died, so he kills, he kills the baby, he kills the Joseph Travis, he kills Travis's wife, which is his old master's wife. And then they go on to the next house, so they gather a few of the slaves from that house, go to the next one, uh, kill uh, Mr. Francis, get some of his slaves to come with him go to Piety Reese's house, kill her and her son, get some of the slaves to follow them. At this point, they go to the Francis house, and Francis's slaves actually protect him. Now, I've had people in the past be like, oh, well, that means some slaves like their masters. Some slaves did like their masters. They were treated well by their masters. It's not true that everyone hated them. It's just true that most of them hated them. So chances are, statistically, you guys can reason this out. Why most likely did Francis's slaves defend him? Yeah? Out, Boom, right there. Did you hear him? If the rebellion doesn't work out, they don't want to be punished. The rebellion doesn't wor- work out, and so these guys aren't punished. So it works out well for Francis's enslaved people. So they go on to the next place and imagine this, they're they're gathering followers all along the way, increasing the group. This is very much like Spartacus's group did in ancient Rome. Of course, Turner probably didn't know that, but uh, they go to a farm owned by Elizabeth Turner, they kill her, her overseer, a neighbor happens to be be visiting. They go to the Whitehead House and kill everyone there. This is the one place where Turner himself kills someone. He has a sword that's actually quite dull. He beats her about the head quite a bit. Almost more beats her to death with her than cuts her. Then they go on to the Waller house. And the Waller house is where they held school. And so they killed the Wallers and all of their children. All the children there for the school. Now, they keep going through, imagine them going through and getting more and more slaves to come in this. Now same day, between noon and midnight, they've got about sixty people. So they break into Rebecca Vaughn's house, they kill her, her son, her niece. Then they split. Turner is mounted, He ha- they procured some horses. So they go one way and the main group goes a different direction. And they run into a white militia. They're not just going to sit and let this happen. So they exchange fire. Nobody's killed on either side. But in the end, that's enough. A lot of Turner's followers just scatter. Some go back home. Some just run. Some flee. Um, Some stay on. So at its height, we had about 60 people. We know that from the number that are ultimately executed. So I have quite a few dates here now. Um, between uh, the date of the rebellion and October 30th, Nat hides. There's a, an old pond. And by the pond, a bunch, somebody has thrown a bunch of old rails used to make fences. So Nat hides underneath those fences. Uh, Meanwhile, his followers are getting rounded up, tried and executed. Eventually, he needs food, and he goes into the Francis farm, and Nathaniel Francis sees him, shoots at him, but misses. But now, they know about where he is, so they start searching in earnest. And a couple days later, they find him still has his sword, they pull him in, capture him, they put him on trial. Now what kind of trial is he going to get? A bad one. I love the Yes, well put. Why? He was guilty before proven innocent. I love that answer, but why? Black trial run by white people. So yes, well put, I love that he's guilty. They decided he was guilty beforehand. I mean, it's maybe he didn't do it. He confessed to it. Probably doesn't have a lot of options. He probably did do it. But most of what we know about it comes from his confession. I told you about this yesterday, remember? The, the thing where he's sitting down, that's what this picture shows. So he's there with his white lawyer who's writing this stuff down. But just for a reminder, why can we not trust this confession perfectly? Yeah, it's made to make him look bad. And if you read it, it's really easy to find online. I have you reading an excerpt of it, but if you want to read the whole thing, it's not very long. Um, And it's pretty interesting, it really is. It's not that hard to read, like old documents usually are, because they were trying to make him look stupid. And they try to make him look crazy a little bit. So read that with that in mind. Um, But one day when you're you're bored, go ahead and check out Nat Turner. You could just do a Google search for the confessions of Nat Turner and you'll find it. You'll also find the movie. So they put him on trial. It's a foregone conclusion that he's guilty. They execute him. They also executed all the people that followed him um, that they could find. Now, this is super frightening, and I'm going to have you, I have a hint in this picture. Why was this so frightening to the whites in the area? This slave uprising. Oh. Man, I love that. It shows that they're human, they have human feelings. So if you're a slave owner, you have to confront the immorality of what you're doing. I really like that, that's not gonna be on your test, but I love that answer so much. You could write a, you could probably get a Pulitzer with that idea, like that's a great idea. Go ahead. Because the slaves do all their work. This isn't work that they're accustomed to doing? You, if you were a, a white slave owner, you have your slaves in the house with you, taking care of your kids. They go into your bedroom. They cook your food. They are always with you all around. This is frightening to them. There's also so many black people, there's way more black people than white people in the, in this area. So it's, it scares everyone over the entire South. So they freak out and they pass a bunch of laws called slave codes. So for For three, you just put the word slave codes. They're scared, so they make slave codes. Now, there, slave codes are rules, laws, written to keep the slaves as slaves to govern how they were, how they were ruled. And the first one they do, and this is the big one that they enforce the most, Nat Turner was a slave preacher, so they make it illegal for slaves to learn to read or write. If he hadn't been reading the Bible, he wouldn't have had these ideas. They make it illegal for a white person to teach a black person how to read or write. And of course, since this is spread over an area, ranging from fines to imprisonment. Now, that doesn't stop. Some, some still teach their slaves to write, some because they think they should, and others because they, they like the labor. Um, Nat Turner kept the books. Keeping books is boring. Uh, second Slave Code. Besides reading and writing, they made it so that if the black people were preaching to each other, they had to have a white person present listening to what they were saying so that they could stop people like Turner from building their following. Yeah. They're scared enough that they'll go along with it. Scared people make dumb decisions. That's always been true. That will always be true. Um, People use that to sell everything from newspapers, well, to TV news, to um, cars. You know, buy this car, it's gonna keep my kids safe. You've seen the safe light commercial, right? Yeah. You've Gotta keep your kids safe. Safe light. It's even called safe. Right? The frightening stuff if you want to go into marketing. It's one way to sell crap to people. I'm not recommending that though. Like okay, now escapes. Going on into, uh, most don't rise up, most instead choose to escape. But how common are they? So I, I put these questions out of order and I've debated and switched them back and forth like eight times, finally just printed them. Um, number six, why is it difficult for historians to have an accurate view? So we gotta reason this out a little bit. First, somebody took, a historian took, all of the ads for runaway slaves in Princeton area newspapers and counted them up. And so this seems like a good way to know how many ads showed up. What's, how come that wouldn't still reflect the accurate number of escape attempts? Oh, good. Maybe they don't notice a little bit, maybe they have enough slaves that they, they didn't see that Jimmy was gone for a little while, maybe they saw it too late or something like that, yeah. Uh, good too, most escapes don't actually last very long, and so before the ad shows up, there they are. You know how most att- escape attempts ended, I'll tell you this right now. Um, in most escapes, the people saw um, a chance. They saw a chance to leave, and so they ran into the woods. There's very little in a slave's education, right, such as it was, that taught them how to survive in the woods. You know, it's not like while they were teaching them to pick cotton, they're like, by the way, if you ever find yourself in the woods, you can eat these plants. Right? So you you got into the the woods and then then what? Where do you go? And you think, oh it's simple, go north. Which way is north? Have you ever actually tried to pick your direction from the sun? It's not as easy as it sounds. You're like, oh it comes up in the east. No it doesn't. It comes up in the southeast. Then it goes across on the south. So that sounds simple, just go away from the sun. But what about when it starts to set? Plus, I mean, the slave stops. By the way, north is this way. They did a little later, we'll, t- we'll talk about that in a second. So most escape attempts, actually they start heading out and then they realize, I don't know where I'm going and they head back themselves. It's not that they don't want to be free, it's that they don't have the skills necessary to free themselves. If I asked you to walk from Georgia to Canada right now today with the modern interstate system, how easy would that be? With your cell phone it would be a lot easier, but it still wouldn't be easy, right? Yeah, this is, especially if people were hunting for you. Oh, by the way, that's a, a real slave ad for an escaped slave. Sorry, it cut off the sides, but. You see that like the threat. What kind of punishments came, I ask you. This gentleman tried to escape a number of times. We know he tried to escape because, well, I'll point that out in a sec. When we say whipping, we don't just mean something that hurts. We mean something that scars. They would chain them to their work so they could keep going. That's more common than imprisoning them. An imprisoned slave doesn't do you much good. And then they would brand them, if you look at this gentleman's cheek, you can see he's been branded, so that, that you're seeing the color picture is a slave brand, so they'd heat that up and then push it into their cheeks or their forehead, cheeks softer so it's easier, so that everyone else would know that it was an escaped slave. Now I know you guys know a little bit about the Underground Railroad, right? Yeah? No? Give me a fist of five. Zero if you're like, I don't know anything about this. Five if you're like, I've studied this pretty extensively. Four if you kind of. I got a lot of fours this time. So that's good. So I'll probably hit most of the things that you, that you might not know. First, you know this is not a railroad. It's not like a subway. In eighth grade US history, they'd really struggle with that one. And be like, wait a minute, was this was this like the subway? How did this work? Why is it called underground? Secret, and why is it called a railroad? A way of getting around. Perfect. Okay, now to get from one place to another, to know where you were going. You had to have someone to help you because they didn't, it's not like they could make a map or whatever and know exactly where it was. What were those people called? Do you remember? Conductor? Yes. Yeah, they were called conductors. And of course, the greatest conductor was Harriet Tubman. Yeah, so they called her Moses because she made so many trips. Now, By the way, Tubman's not one of your questions just because I think you know her really well. I probably should have put a question on Tubman just to give you an easy point. Um, And she's so fascinating. Stops looked like this so they could hide the slaves. So the lady up in the top picture is showing how they'd hidden a secret door inside one of the bedrooms hard for people to know that they would fill that up with a couple families. Or you see the one at the bottom left, a lot of times they would do tunnels between different houses. So if they were raiding one house, they'd run out the other house. And that worked okay. Usually they couldn't raid a house. The houses were farther north or whatever. Or they'd just put a hidden place in the woods. So the conductors were the ones that knew how this worked. Do you know, did you learn how they communicated with each other? Songs. Good. I, I wish I hadn't asked the question because I was afraid someone's going to say quilts. Have you heard the quilt thing? Okay. There's this, these prof. I've got to tell you now that I mentioned it, these professors in 1999 published this book about that they used quilts to communicate, but it wasn't, they just made it up. They'd actually conducted over 50 interviews of slave descendants and none of them mentioned quilts and somehow out of that, none of them mentioning quilts they came up with. They used quilts to communicate. Plus, it doesn't make any sense because like I could have a really great code, if I can't pass that code to you, it doesn't work. So, quilts isn't a thing. If you run into it, it's not true. Um, It's super interesting, but it's totally made up. So maybe someday you too can make up something and sell a history book about it. Other people have done it. Uh, But they do songs. So this is an excerpt from a song called Follow the Drinking Gourd. When conductors would teach this to slaves, they did it to try to get them so that they could know which way is north. Now, well, you follow the drinking gourd, the Big Dipper. Find it in the sky, and that's roughly north not quite north because if you know your astronomy really well you know that the, the front part of that dipper points to the north star, but it's close enough. You follow that you're going to hit Canada eventually. But more importantly, a better way than any of that stuff is to do, um, to follow your conductor. Your conductor knows the way. Hey, questions, comments, or complaints? Yeah. Oh, so they would give you songs to let you know that they were coming. Right? Moses is coming. Harriet Tubman's coming. Let my people go. You all know that one, right? You'd use songs to teach them how to behave on the railroad and to inspire and give hope. And what was the question for five? Uh, So, how I didn't answer five, did I? How common were escapes? Here's what we do know. Here's what we do know. We know that everyone who gets to the north has multiple escape stories. Like, oh, I tried it this way and it didn't go well. Then I tried this and it didn't go well. Then I tried this and it worked. Uh, Now, that's not a great source because escaped people, of course, they had multiple, they, they were trying to escape, so they were the people who tried to leave. But we also have records from the families of people who were freed in the Civil War. Almost all of them have attempted escape stories So we use the word ubiquitous. It's so common, it would be like if I asked people today if they had a story about their cell phone. So it seems to have been what almost everybody did. Almost everybody seems to have tried to escape. Does that mean everybody tried? No, of course not everybody tried. Some were too scared some word masochist, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's like, oh, I'm the weird one who likes it here. Uh, But it seems to have been so common that almost everybody tried to escape, and that's the best answer that we can give. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm more, I'm interested that you know that people tried to escape, just because, again, I've had students come in and be like, they were happy, which is just, Anyone does that? Please just slap them. Like, what is wrong with you? Why are you saying this? Um, don't really. Like, don't don't. That was that was sarcasm. But 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 I need you to know the statistic because. You need to understand that that's just not true. I also need you to know that statistic because it's a good way to talk about how, how can we structure something that we can't. We can't go back and give them surveys. We don't have a time machine. We can't be like, hey, did you try to escape? Well, that's, that's, that's a 95% escapee rate. It just, it's not possible for us to get that kind of data. Hey, good? I have one last thing to show you on the assignment itself. So.